All right, well, good morning, North Shore. Lead Pastor Scott Harris here, and we're just excited to bring the Word to you today. So I pray that your families are gathered and you're having just an amazing, sweet time in the Lord. Uh, we're going to be team teaching today. Uh, this is our executive pastor, Pat Lassard. Uh, morning, guys. As you can tell, um, we are social distancing. We are honoring the government, honoring one another, and honoring you. So we are apart, but we're together. Mm -hmm. uh, love your brother. Mm -hmm. Excited for Likewise. this. North Shore, we love you. We, we're excited to bring the word. We are in Philippians chapter 4 today, and we are going to close out our study in the book of Philippians. Now, Paul steps into this, and he's going to close this book out, and he's going to bring up some topics that we've been talking a lot about, and that's joy. Our series titles is Real Joy, and he's going to talk about real joy and real peace. But I want to start with prayer. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, you're good. We love you, and we trust that your word is powerful, and it does not come back void. Mm -hmm. So my prayer over all of us is we encounter your word, that you would transform us, that you would change us, that you draw us to you, and then you allow us to be salt and light to the world around us. So speak to us now. We are open-eared, heart, and hand. Do your good work in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So again, we're in Philippians 4. Paul's been talking about in this letter, joy. We titled the series Real Joy. But he brings up another word, peace, here in chapter 4. And looking at joy and peace, they're very similar words, but there's a subtle difference. See, peace is that secure it's a state of being. Two things are at peace. We are at peace. And what joy is, joy is a, is a result of something. In this case, joy is a result of being at peace. And so as Paul, all through his letter, talks about joy, he does it in interesting times. He does it in times of trouble. In chapter 1, we see Paul uh, talks to the Philippians, and he says, you are facing persecution, but I want you to have joy. Chapter 2, he talks about there is a unity issue. I want you to have joy. In chapter 3, he says there is a false teacher. There's false teaching all around you. I want you to have joy. Mm -hmm. And Paul is talking from personal experience. Because remember, he is writing this letter. He's writing it, Pat, from, from prison. Mm -hmm. So he's in prison, in Roman right. prison. Uh, he's locked in. He has financial needs, we know. And he talks all through this letter about his joy. So in chapter 4, he introduces another troubled times that they're in. So look at verse 2 and 3 in chapter 4. I entreat Udia and I entreat Sintich to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So the troubled times that he's talking about now are two significant women in the church at Philippi that have some sort of issue, some tension, some relational issues. And he calls them to agree in the Lord and the church to help them. You imagine being them, 
Judea and Sintich, and this letter comes from Paul, and all the time it took, and they're in the congregation, and the letter is read, and he calls their situation out. Probably kind of an uncomfortable situation. Ouch, yeah. Ouch, yeah. Uh, but it's obviously very, very significant. It's causing trouble, and Paul wants to speak to it. He wants to speak joy and peace into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in trouble times. Mm-hmm. We're in trouble times. With this coronavirus, these are troubled times. There's just so many things, so much change happening. It seems like on a daily basis, you know, we're isolated from one another. We're relational people. We're isolated. Health, you know, it's getting to a point where we all know somebody who has the virus, Mm -hmm. and we're starting to all know somebody or know of somebody who is really in a grave situation with this illness. And we, we're, we're, we're nervous about getting sick. We don't want to. So this health thing is really causing a troubled time for us. Financial. You know, just yesterday, I was talking to somebody, and somebody who's worked their whole life says, Scott, I'm just two paychecks away from being homeless. And I can just see the worry, the concern in his eyes. It troubles him. And I'm starting to get a lot of calls and emails and texts about families that are in conflict right now. As they are isolated together, day in and day out in their homes, it's exposing some weakness in relationship. So there's trouble times there. It's tough. It's tough. So what does Paul say to us about how to handle being in trouble times? Go to verse 1. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, here it is, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Mm-hmm. So Paul gives a command. It's, a, it's an imperative to stand firm. It's actually a military command. It's to hold your ground. Stay steady. Stay strong against this troubled time. And Paul says, I want you to stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in your faith in these troubled times. And so as we go on in chapter 4, what Paul is going to do is he's going to give us the mindset that we need to have to stand firm in troubled times. So let's go to verse 4. And the first mindset he's going to give us is that attitude is everything. So we'll read verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I know, awesome, huh? It's Powerful. Awesome. So what he's talking about here is our attitude, and he's saying attitude is everything. Attitude is important. It's so important that Paul repeats, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, always do this. Your, your, your attitude is always important. And he says, again, I say rejoice. He just pounds that point. Make sure that we are aware of our attitude. I learned how important attitude was in the seventh grade. I was in a class called Life Science. And in there, we had a section on wilderness survival. 
And so the teacher taught us that uh, there is a triangle of survival in the wilderness. It's shelter, water, and food. And those are things that you have to have. But he says there's another thing that actually umbrellas all of that that is the greatest factor in surviving a troubled time where you might need to survive in the wilderness. And that is PPMA, proper positive mental attitude. Hmm. Your attitude. Your attitude is important in troubled times because it's our attitudes that propels us into a place of standing firm in our faith. So true. Amen, right? Yep. And, and, yep. and listen to this. He says, he starts talking in that scripture that our attitude is, it's an evidence of what we believe to be true. Our attitude is an evidence of what we believe to be true. Mm -hmm. And he says this, the truth that he wants us to know is that the Lord is at hand. Translation said that the Lord is near. That we believe in troubled times that the Lord is near. And he calls us to give an evidence of that. And we can even check our attitudes. What is our outward evidence saying to people? He says this. He says, you let your reasonableness, and that word means what your response. Let your response be known. Let your attitude be an evidence that God is near. So what is your response? How are you responding? What are people hearing you say through your attitude? Is it saying that this is it's just a runaway train, uh, that all is lost, there's no hope, and God is not in control? Or is it saying, I believe God is near. I have compassion. Mm -hmm. I have concern. I have love for people in these terrible situations. But what I believe, I believe that God is near. That's right. That God is here. Yep. Even when I can't see it, I believe it to be true. And he goes on to this. He says, I want your inward evidence to speak this truth too. Mm -hmm. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. And anxiety is that inward voice, right? What you are telling yourself. And are you telling yourself just those whispers from the enemy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does God mm -hmm. really have this? Mm -hmm. He's good at that. Yeah, I know, right? He? That's what yep. he does. Does God have this? Or are you saying, I don't see it. I might not even feel it. Mm -hmm. But I know God is near. That's right. He's and he close. has this. And it allows me to stand firm. Mm -hmm. And it brings a deep peace in there. So he keeps on going. And he shows us and teaches us how to, how to tune our attitude. Because guess what, Pat? Mm. All of us need, from time to time, our attitude tuned up. And he tells us how to do that, okay? True story. Verse 6 and 7, listen to this. It's awesome. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying, to tune our attitudes, prayer is how we do that. Now, not just any ordinary prayer. I mean, really look at this. This isn't, hey, you know, Lord, help my cat, 
right? And, and that's a beautiful prayer. You young people watching, <laughs> pray for your cat. It's an important, and Jesus loves it, okay? Um, but what he's talking about here is a deep, intimate prayer, supplication or petition with thanksgiving. It is your heart's into this communication with God where you are sending your request and you are listening to what God has given you. You're thankful, right? And in that intimate prayer with the Lord, you start learning about who He is and what His promises are and how He is delivering on those promises in your life. Mm -hmm. And it builds confidence. Mm -hmm. It builds a confidence in yep. God, right? Yep. That He's near. Yep. That's crazy. And so, so with that, with that is, as a Christian, we call that confidence faith. That's faith. It's the confidence we have in who God is in all circumstances. I would say especially in troubled times. allows us to stand firm. And what does that do? I, I've got a, a little image, something I've used for years I want to show you. I call it the faith gauge. And it kind of just teaches this point, and maybe it's something that can to, to help you and benefit you and just guide you in these troubled times. So the faith gauge. What the fuel is there is faith. Faith fuels us, okay? and it moves us towards peace or the lack of faith or a lessening faith moves us toward peace more fearful. True. And what fear is, what fear at the very bottom is a place of hopelessness where someone believes there is no God and God is not in this. Mm -hmm. To our peace, full peace, is that I believe God is fully in control. Romans 8, 28 really speaks to this. Uh, it, it says that I believe that all things will work together for the good for those who love Christ Jesus. It means it's, it's an eternal perspective that I may not see good right now. In fact, this might be really, really painful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This might be scary. Yep. True. Um, but I believe eternally, my eyes on Jesus, mm -hmm. that through Christ Jesus, that good is the ultimate destination mm -hmm. for us all mm -hmm. that love him. And so we can get through this. And so our faith takes us toward that. Though all of us are weak at times. All of us are concerned. All of us have a, a measure of fear, right? Unfortunately, it's our human condition. Yep. But my prayer for you is that you wouldn't be hopeless. Mm -hmm. And I pray faith, you would stand firm in your faith, and you get that from prayer, communing with God. And listen to what he says. When we do that, there's a reward. We like rewards, right, Pat? Mm -hmm. Love rewards, mm -hmm. okay? The reward is that the peace of God, what? Will. Will be with you. Look at how concrete and confident that yeah. is. Promise word. Of, yeah, it's a promise. Yep. It's a promise. Will be with you. And listen, and it's, it surpasses human knowledge. People can't get it. They don't understand mm -hmm. it like Christian mm -hmm. How can you be settled in your soul when it seems like the world's falling apart? Mm -hmm. It's because of the peace of God. Not me, not science, not money, anything. Because of the peace of God. So that's the reward we get. It allows us to stand firm. 
in the presence of troubled times when our attitude is right and tuned into the Lord. Another mindset that Paul gives us in verse 8 is mind over matter. Mind over matter. So he calls our minds into action. Verse 8, he says, think about these things. See, the mind is a powerful thing. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, so he is. That's why when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he says, and to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Because where your mind is and where your thoughts are, that's where you're going. Mm -hmm. And I learned that truth in driver's ed, 15 years old, okay? Uh, and, you know, you're out there practicing, and they tell you this rule. When you're driving on a two-way road and a car is coming at you, don't look at it, right? Stay focused in where you're going. Don't look at it because when you look at it, it registers and you start thinking about it. And guess what? You go toward it, right? Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid, boy, semi-trucks are coming. You get terrified as a new driver. You're white-knuckled. You see that semi, and you're, you're, you're sneaking a peek, sneaking a peek. And all of a sudden, it feels like, ah, oh, it's pulling me in. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Was it like that? It's terrifying. It's uh, horrible. I know. It's crazy. So uh, it's powerful because the, it, where we're looking, where our mind's at is where we're going. So what Paul says is, you need to protect your mind, your thought life. And here's how you do it. He gives us checkpoints here, right? He says in verse 8, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, and these last two points, he's summing them up. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Mm -hmm. Have your mind on those things. Mm -hmm. And so basically, just to, a snapshot of what he's talking about. He talks about things of excellence. And those are things that build you up in your faith journey, that encourage you along in your faith journey, things that are virtuous, things that help you, things that are true. And I think of in the outbreak right now, there is truth that we need to know that is challenging and difficulty. But when we look at it through the lens of faith, it keeps us from spinning out. Mm -hmm. And maybe overreacting. Yep. Amen. So what happens is God wants us to be focused on things that don't take our eyes off him, that keep our eyes on faith. And again, like I want to say, church, truth is important. So I'm hoping you're keeping up to date on what's going on around us. But I pray that that is not flooding your information bank in your mind. He goes to the next point here, right? He says, Think about things that are praiseworthy, that are worthy of praise. And these are the things that build God up in our minds, that strengthen our faith. They're the things that honor God. They're the things that, that reflect God's beauty, His power, His presence in our life, the heart of God. We have to be tuned into those things. Who is God now? And guess what? He hasn't changed. As the situation around us seems to be unraveling, God has not changed. So we have to remind ourselves. So how do we tune up our mind? How do we tune up our mind? He, he gives us these, these checkpoints. And I think of Hebrews 4.12. It's through the Word of God. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is alive and active. 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's how powerful the Word of God. It can come in and it resets everything. So what we have to do is we have to monitor our intake so that our mind could go to where God has us to go. Mm-hmm. So we have to have to, to, to watch and guard these gates. So, and we do that through the Word of God. And we get the Word of God through our scriptures, through worship as we are professing and proclaiming the words of God. And of course, through prayer of interacting and letting God speak to us and us speaking to God and Him transforming and changing our heart to align with Him. And when we do that, right, then we, we will be standing firm. We can stand firm. We'll be confident, secure. Our mind is going where God wants us to go. We can stand firm in these troubled times. It's important. So Pat is going to keep us going with some of these mindsets that God has. Pat? Amen. Good, good word. So true. So true. Standing firm in troubled times. Uh, this is what we seek to do and to be true to as Christians. And uh, as we seek these biblical mindsets, these biblical worldviews by knowing our attitudes, everything as we follow Paul's example and mind over matter that what we focus on actually directs us towards that. And so we want to be directed towards the right things, true things, pure things. Paul goes on in verse 9, and he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So one more time, one more way, Paul goes, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at the life that I've lived before you. You've seen me. You know me. You know the example I've given you, what I do, what I don't do, what I say, what I don't say, because modeling is the most effective way to really train someone. That's true. true. God knew that by parenting, right? That's how he designed the family to work. Uh, God knew that by sending his son. That's why Jesus came, so that he could go, look at me. This is what it looks like to love God. This is what it looks like to live a life of sacrifice before the Lord. This is what it looks like to love others. Look at my example. God has given you people in your life that are examples, an example of joy in God, an example of peace in God that God has done an amazing work. Oftentimes through hard times, through troubled times, God does his best work of fashioning strength and hope, joy and peace. And there are people in your life that are examples before you that God has for you to go look at them. Look at their example. Look at what they do, what they don't do, how they handle things. Follow that. Follow that. Because God is near. And he is with them, he's with you, and we're in this together. And there is a peace that's a byproduct of it. He continues on, and uh, Paul, he talks about the Philippians and how they put to practice. That's our third point of that mindset is putting to practice these things. And as we uh, put to practice, practice makes perfect. Now, what we're talking about, what we mean by being perfect is not moral perfection that we get to stand on our own merit, but that we become more like Jesus. 
So practice makes perfect because as we practice these faith elements, these mindsets, it makes us more and more and more like Jesus, which is the goal, the ultimate goal. So Paul goes on and he points to the Philippian church in ways that they've done this. Verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I want to stop there. He says, my brothers, my sisters, you have been concerned for me, and I thank you for that. There was a time you weren't able to do anything about that, but I know your heart for me. And I want you to know, I'm good. I've been good. I'm good. And he uses the word content. It's all good. I'm secure. There's peace. And uh, in the middle of having a lot or actually not having enough, some of the words that he says, hunger and need, he says, I'm good because of God. And, and we'll go on on that. But I love that he uses the word content. What a pertinent word in the middle of such turmoil and stress and ever-changing circumstances, content. Isn't that a word that's hard to understand? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the world has its own definition that it invites us and pushes on us that contentment true contentment only comes from everything going your way you have all the money that you need and life is the way that you want and relationships are the way that you want and family is the way that you want and your body looks the way that the world tells you it should and on and on yeah. you have all the security and as long as nothing changes and nobody moves you can be content and you can have peace that's yeah. not the case though it's right? not the case and so paul goes on and he uses another great word and he says i've learned the secret i've learned the secret to contentment and what another great word as we love secrets in general, part of our human nature. We love secrets. And the world says, you need to know the secret to success. And it's on a lot of people's minds, right? What's the secret to success? What's the secret to life? What's the secret to weight loss? What's the secret to you fill in the blank, right? He says, here's the secret. I'm going to give you the secret to contentment. And it's in verse 13. Read it with me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do anything in the highs and the lows, in the abounding and abundance, and in the lack of where I put my confidence is in God. And once I have my confidence in God... There's contentment, there's peace, which is a, a great contrast from if we put our security and our confidence, we put all of our weight on our jobs or our health or our marriage or our kids or things going our way in a day or the peace and money or whatever it is, it's on shaky ground. And God knew that. 
And so anxiety and fear appropriately come yeah. and we, our world gets rocked yeah. because that's not what God designed us to have our confidence in. It is in the one that never changes. It is in the one that is near. It is in the one that is good, that is true, that is powerful. And when we have our confidence in him, that is the secret to contentment. It's a game changer, isn't it? Totally what changes everything. Changer. And that's our hope as Christians. And that's the hope that we get to pass on to others. And many have that need. He goes on and he points to how the Philippians walked out and put to practice their faith and their contentment and their peace and their security. He says, verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you alone. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. We'll come back to that verse. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need. I love that. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. amen, amen. He says, thank you for what you've done. You've given, I've received. You knew my need, you did something about it. And he says, I'm mostly excited, not about me receiving, but the fruit that's going to come by you giving yeah. and what that's going to continue to produce in you and what God's going to do in you by your generous trust where you have your confidence. Your confidence was not in your stuff because you gave it up. Your confidence was in your God because he is your provider. You have your confidence in the right place. He's affirming that. Yeah. Love that. And then he goes on. And he says, God's going to supply. He's, yeah, you know where your trust is. He's your provider in the midst of a lot or a little. He's got it to God's glory, to God's credit. So he's not going, look at me, how amazing, right? Or look at you, how amazing. Look at God, how amazing, yeah. how amazing he is to God's credit, to God's glory. Verse 20, he finishes here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. And we do that with social distancing, with physical distancing. Greet one another. Continue to. The brothers who are with me greet you. We greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household, even those servants under Caesar that gave their life to the Lord, risking themselves for Jesus. Verse 23 finishes with this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May God's grace, may the grace of Jesus fill your inner man. Yeah. Ladies, fill your inner woman, your spirit. May that grace fill you and overflow his grace poured out in you, to you. And may you dwell in that, live in that. So he finishes with that. Wow. That's, woo, that's rich. Thank you. Thank you. So our challenge, our heart, much like Paul, is that you, church, would stand firm in your faith 
in these troubled times. So I want you to process three questions just at home, on your own, uh, maybe even later this week. But first here, how is your attitude in these troubled times? Just a little attitude check. How are you responding? What is your response saying about what you believe? Is it given evidence that you believe that the Lord is near, that God is here? He's not away from this. He's wonderfully and beautifully right in the middle of it with us. Mm -hmm. Pat? Uh, regarding the second point, mind over matter. What we focus on directs us towards that even more. What's your spiritual intake like? Our questions are, how is your time in the word? Are you spending quality time in worship? How is your prayer life? Many of us can up our game, up our intake. Re read another chapter in the Bible. Spend three, five more minutes in prayer. Play another song or have songs played within your home more. Up your intake. Question number three is uh, practice makes perfect. And as we put to practice our faith, some of us, as we see in that exchange with Paul and the Philippians, uh, some of us are in need. That's real. And will you practice humility by asking for help and receiving help? Notice, Paul was not on the giving end of things. He was on the receiving end of things, and he received. He received. Do you need help? And some of us are able to give. Many of us are able to give. Even the Philippians, they gave out of their lacking and they generously put their confidence in God. And this is definitely a time where we, as the first, as the early church, right, we continue in that heart that we give. We give to supply other brothers and sisters' needs and others that God puts in front of us. So do you have and can you give? I want to uh, point you to Damien's announcement earlier of feeding the five. That is a tangible, real way that God has called North Shore Christian Church to act in receiving and giving and blessing and serving. Yeah. So, It's good. It's good stuff. So our heart for you is that you'd be at peace. Not the false peace that the world offers, but the peace that Jesus Christ offers. And in a time like this, that it's uncertain, we don't understand it fully, but we know, we know that we know that we know that God is here. So I pray for peace for you. I pray for peace over your homes, our community. And if you're a person here that you don't know the peace of the Lord, or maybe you're struggling of really getting to that place of having the peace of the Lord, I want to invite you in to have a conversation, to, to, to pray with one of the pastors. There will be a link in the comment section uh, where you can come in, and we're going to take the opportunity. Our pastors are online, mm -hmm. and they're available and ready and wanting to talk, to pray with you. So make sure you click that. Join in, because church, we're going to do this together. Eyes on Jesus. Amen. Arms locked together. Whatever this is going to be, however long it's going to last, God reigns.
and we're going to have our eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. North Shore, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And I know you're with me. And I know you're for me. Because that's what the church does. And I want our whole community to feel God's presence coming through us. Mm -hmm. So stand firm in the faith in these troubled times. I love you, North Shore. God bless you.